Hello there, and welcome back to Beats by Transplant Social Work. I'm Kristen. And I'm Tiffany, your host for the show. We're so glad that you came back. And for those that are tuning in for the first time, check out episode one to learn more about who we are. But a brief summary, we're both certified clinical transplant social workers who specialize in all things heart transplant and LVAD, also known as left ventricular assist device. Our goal is to talk about all the things transplant and LVAD from the social work perspective and to bring the human element back into the world of transplant and LVAD for our fellow social workers and our patients. This podcast is intended for social workers that work in the field of transplant or VAD. If you are a patient pursuing a transplant or VAD or a caregiver of a patient, we welcome you here. Although we are transplant and VAD social workers, we are not your social workers. We hope topics discussed here may lead you to further discussions with your own social worker. This also applies to other transplant professionals who may stumble into our show. We do not take the place or attempt to override your transplant social work, but provide perspective and hope this allows for more open conversations and collaborations with your direct social worker. As you'll soon learn, we are both very passionate individuals, and although we may take the scenic route, we invite you along this journey with us. We are hopeful to make this a safe space to learn, be refueled, be heard, and feel understood. We want to challenge each other to be the best that we can be for ourselves and our patients, and we give you permission to challenge us. Hey, welcome back to Beats by Social Work. We are post-conference, and we are so excited to recap the conference with you. Guys, Kristen is, uh, Kristen's real. I saw her in person. (laughs) I can attest. She's a little taller than I thought. Yes, I do get that a lot, actually. (laughs) Uh, But uh, the first, I have to admit, the first adult beverage that we had where there was no screen between our clink was so exciting. It was. It was. I'll admit, I was a little nervous. I won't lie. I was a little nervous. I was like, okay, am I going to be able to, like, talk in person normally? You know how sometimes <laughs> if you talk to someone only on the phone or online, and then you meet them in person, you're like, what do I do with my hands? Um, or maybe not. Maybe that's just me? No? Yeah? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> no, no. I totally get it. Um, because, so to recap, we both got in on the same day, and apparently we both like to travel very similar. <laughs> styles of traveling. So um, I like to unpack when I arrive to said hotel because I can remember exactly what I brought. And apparently my friend here, Tiffany, likes to do that as well. Tis true. Tis true. I do. I clean the the room and then I um, put stuff in drawers, hang stuff up. Yeah. But see, it's really awesome because especially at least for conference time, that's so important, at least for me, because then I can pick out my outfits. I know exactly what I'm going to wear on each day, and it just makes me feel a little more settled in what the week is going to bring. So uh, we both unpacked. I awkwardly made my way to her hotel room and got to meet Tiffany in person. It was so cool. It was a good time. It was. It was. I think that was probably one of the, I mean, there's a lot of highlights of the conference, but I think that was definitely a highlight, um, you know, hanging out that first night and yeah, the the clink with no screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So y'all, we stayed in such an amazing hotel. I really give the conference planning people um, such kudos for how hard they worked on this conference, but we stayed at the Lowe's Portofino Hotel, 
And it was literally like going into an Italian town or mm-hmm. it, like a village. It was as close to Europe as I'm going to ever get, but <laughs> wonderful. Yes. So we we went and had our, our drink together at what, the Krusty Fish? I think that's what we called it, whether that's the actual name or not. Um, by the time uh, <laughs> the conference is over, we had everybody calling it the Krusty Fish. So, you know, that's fine. That's so true. I, I'm pretty sure it was like the Tipsy Fish or the Floppy Fish, or it was it was definitely anything but the Krusty Fish. There was but a fish in is, it. Yes, we at least got about, you know, 33% of the name right. So right. I that's mean, what matters. Good average. Ish. Depending. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, but... But to start off our episode, as per usual, Tiffany, you are now in the hot seat. I am stealing this uh, Likert scale that I saw on TikTok, so I get to steal <laughs> it. You can't. Dagnab it. So apparently the numbers on a toaster is not levels of toastiness, but it is minutes that your toast, your bread is in the toaster to become toast. However, we are going to use levels of toastiness. So Tiffany, on... Levels of toastiness from one to seven, one being that nice, I am an ideal lightly toasted piece of bread for breakfast to seven is I'm basically a salad crouton that's black. (laughs) Where, Where do you find yourself? Well, first of all, I'd like to say there's, as a social worker in me coming out, there's levels of interpretation on that because some people might like the crusty burnt toast. So that could be actually a high number. However, I'm not that person and I like it on a one. Um, <laughs> so, so, I mean, I just had to put that out there. I would say that I'm maybe like a level 3.5. Like I, I left it on a little longer than I anticipated. Mm. You know, okay. it, it was nice uh so nice to be at that conference and so nice to be refueled but as with anything when you are gone from your place of employment there are things that you have to deal with when you get back and all the arouse of emails and things that have occurred and just kind of getting your bearings back again i'd say so i think i'm there uh we have some tough cases going on in the hospital as well and um, had to have a really, really tough conversation on Friday with the family. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how I left my day on Friday. And it was, it was hard. Part of our job, we've talked about it many a times in here, the reality of it all. It doesn't always turn out the way that we hope, but the importance mm-hmm. of talking to the families and being realistic with them. So, yeah, I'd say maybe that, that three-ish mark. Not, definitely not burnt, but... Mm, a little darker than I anticipated. A little crispier. A little crispier. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. All right. Okay. So. so now, now enough about me. How about you? And this stinks because I can't use that uh, TikTok one that you found. So, in going with the theme of kind of flying by the seat of my pants and whatever room I might be recording from at any given moment, are you the toilet paper roll that is? stuck on the by the way guys i am recording from my bathroom today uh the toilet paper roll that somebody did not replace that's sitting there with just a couple of pieces of toilet paper on there or are you the double ply soft 
enough that you just want to sleep in it, toilet paper, where would you be on your mm. toilet paper scale? So like the Tempur-Pedic of toilet paper. Yes, you know the ones. The ones that like, it's too expensive for my blood, but if someone has it, I'm like, yes. It's the, we're in social work not for that kind of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Instead of, we're, we didn't go into social work for the money. We didn't go into social work for the double ply toilet paper. Double ply is an investment. <laughs> or triple ply. <laughs> Yes, it is. It, it is for those people on a different income tax bracket than us. It is. It's self-care. It's when you're really needing some self-care and you're like, I'm going to splurge on the $20 toilet paper roll. But <laughs> Yeah, so I would have to say that I am a, a little tiny bit above average. So I am the Costco deal on double ply toilet paper. So it's like the Kirkland's brand where it's not the bougie brand. It's not, okay, we know we're getting a little bit of the off-brand business here, but we do it a little better than we usually would with our toilet paper situation. Yeah. Yeah, So metaphorically, yeah, I think I'm... I'm doing pretty well. And I will say that uh, this was a, a big family weekend for me, and it really, really recharged my batteries. Because like you said, we at work and in our careers as social workers, especially in critical care, palliative care, and transplant, we we have a lot of hard conversations. We have it sometimes can feel like your entire world is inside the hospital and in these conversations and there is nothing outside of that so to literally be football punted to another side of life was i kind of what i needed um so my mom and i got dollar store glue on nails we had an at-home manicure day and it was good tlc good TLC. Ah, so, that's that's there's yeah. nothing better than that. I'm excited for you. I'm I'm glad that you had that. And uh there isn't anything better than having that other side of it too. Uh, that reminder, as you said. And I think mm-hmm. that the work that we do also gives us a reminder sometimes too of how important to cherish those moments are. Right? Yes. And I myself am actually this weekend uh luckily by the time this re- this is out there, uh, they will have already known, but I am surprising my nieces in Wisconsin this weekend to go watch their uh, final swim meet match. So I'll Yay! get a little bit of that family time, which I have not had in a while and definitely craving, so. Yes, absolutely. And that feeling of there is there is life outside of this and I can sit in two very different places at one time. I can be the family Tiffany and the social worker Tiffany. Yes. It doesn't always get seen. So with that being said, um, and this is, uh, so going on the note of family, family things. So all growing up, my mom did this anytime we ever went on any trip anywhere, anything. We could have been to the mailbox and back. It didn't matter. But she annoyingly, always would say now what was your favorite part (laughs) so tiffany Uh uh-huh what was your favorite part of the conference ah that's a hard one there's a lot of good parts there's a lot of good moments i think well 
of course, aside from being able to actually meet you in person. Uh, I'll put that out there. You know, again, guys, we've solidified that uh, Kristen is my friend. I will call her one of my friends now. Um, oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm so glad we got this on recording, y'all. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we might be borderlining. I don't know. I, it's nerve-wracking to say out of context, but we might be borderlining on. She might be one of my good friends. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, listen, listen, it's not Christmas yet. It's not Christmas yet. <laughs> but now that fear of rejection, I'm like, she might not think the same thing, so I'm going to back away slowly. But it is, I think, my favorite part of this conference was being around like-minded people. I think going to a conference is so such a refueler. And knowing that you're around people that, that are like you, that get it, or that that you strive to want to be. Um, you know, you might think that you are doing things well and you have your routines at work and then you, you're talking to someone there that's doing something you hadn't even thought of. And it's mm-hmm. it makes you think, wow, I'm not where I should be. I could be doing X, Y, Z. I should be doing, you just, I don't know. I think that sense of being around my people People like me, people that get me, people that go to these conferences often go because they have a desire to learn more about this field or to talk with others around this field. So people that are at these conferences often are the people that want to be there and that are um, excited as well. So I'd say that was probably my favorite is just that just being around um, just such intelligent and amazing people in general and hearing about what's going on, what they're doing at their centers, what's new on the horizon in the field of social work, transplant, LVAD, you know, getting those sparks. I will say, Kristen, you know, you one of your presentations, unfortunately, I only got to go to one. Uh, I've heard good things about the other one, but the one that I went to was so amazing and sparked such great conversations. And Thank you. It, again, fueled me to say, yeah, we need to be doing some more. Like it was almost like you, you were the catalyst to spark off this. Let's, let's make changes. Let's get things going. Yeah. Let's change and, and advocate. So yeah, that you're, was, that you're was me. absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll start off by, by saying that I echo exactly what you're saying. And for, for those listeners who know me, know that uh, for some reason I echo a lot of people. <laughs> I, I use that. Uh, I actually use that a lot in, in our, my selection committee. I echo what so-and-so is saying. <laughs> on, and I'm like, I really need to reframe that a little bit. But anyways, I digress. I, I echo what you're saying. And, and just to give an example of what you're saying. So several of the social workers... So Tiffany and I met at the Krusty Fish and we were having our drink and it was super awesome. And then we got these texts like, hey, we're going to head down to the Floppy Fish or whatever the hell the bar was called. And we're going to grab a drink. And we were like, oh, cool. We're already there. And so a ton of our colleagues that we have met virtually showed up. And so we got to meet a lot of people uh, in person for the first time. And then some people we hadn't seen, of course, in several years, we got to see again um, mm-hmm. after a long time. And we all talked transplant and bad social work. And we were all from different organ groups. So this group of like, I don't know, how many people do you think ended up gathering at the Floppy Fish? Um, I'd say at the Stranded Fish, there was probably about seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say about eight, nine people. Yeah. And we had kidney, liver, lung 
heart, bad, peaty, adult. We, yeah, we had the whole gambit. And we also had people in the research committee and the policy committee and so cool. Uh, but we were all talking about different things related to our profession. And at one point, someone even made the comment like, who else can you have drinks and talk about your, uh, talk about Epic or how you document? <laughs> and <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's just so great to realize because when we do this from a day-to-day, you know, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, or more like 7 to 7, you you forget or you feel like for a while that you're really on an island. Mm -hmm. And this is the one time a year when we can feel a little more like Castaway when, what's the, the volleyball name? Wilson. Wilson, when you and Wilson can like go between islands, you know, you're, you're bridging that and you're not so alone. And so, yeah, I mean, even during my presentations, and that's one of my favorite things about presenting at this conference is I always say, listen, I'm not the expert. I knew so much less last year than I do now, and I'm going to know more next year. And so I'm thankful that our uh, that the audience at this conference is comfortable enough to challenge me and ask hard questions. And a lot of the best parts of this conference is after the presentations mm-hmm. is those five to 10 minutes when you're like, my institution does it this way. It's very different. I'm curious about how you do it. And there's so much dialogue that goes on between those five, 10 minutes that's just incredible. And I think that's more, the presentations, don't get me wrong, the presentations are amazing and we learn from them and we learn from each other, but it's, that's what sparks the the five to 10 minute dialogue. That's really the part that's so good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that it is, you, you spend so much time researching and putting your presentation together and so that you know what you're going to say or how you're going to say it or hope how it'll go x y z um but Mm -hmm. the the questions that come and the dialogue of the unexpected the spontaneities as you said the the ones that challenge you uh and make Mm -hmm. you actually not just speak to what's on your slides and your paper but actually put into practice what you just talked about and give examples of it and also being okay in a public setting to say, I don't know. I swear this happens every time. So I always give a presentation on adult VADs and what social workers need to know. I've done that for the last couple of years. And every single time there's somebody that asks a question about pediatrics and VADs. Mm. And I have to be brave enough to say, I don't know. And I'm going to be very honest, in years past, I wasn't brave enough to do that. And I would kind of try to go more the philosophy, I'm going to fake it till I make it because I'm supposed to be the expert here. Mm. And I would end up just tripping and falling on myself. So this year was the first year where I'm more comfortable, where I could say, you know what, I really don't know the answer to that, but I actually see one of my colleagues here in the audience that is a PDVAD social worker, and let's ask her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
And so I'm thankful that the conference gave me that opportunity to be brave in that way, because it takes bravery to say, I don't know, but I'm, I'm okay to find out. Yeah. And I think that is also a, a sign of strength too. You know, I think that just goes to show how, how strong of a social worker you are in that regard of being able to say, I don't know, but I'll find out or, or call on someone else, but, but to, to not feel like you have to put on that mask of it and to know that people are still going to respect you for it. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of circumstances, I mean, I'm not speaking for myself here, but I know when I ask someone and they say, I don't know, I respect them more Mm -hmm. sometimes because it, and it establishes a certain level of trust where you can say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. I can, I feel like if they follow through on that, then there's this level of trust where I know that they'll follow through on things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, it helps with that. It is. And it's just so, I mean, there's so many, that's a whole rabbit hole we could go down to of mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the knowing yourself and knowing your skill set and, and trusting your skill set enough to know when you don't know. And it's hard. Yeah. It's hard because in social work as a whole, we want to find those answers. We want to, to just have that answer. But the thing is, in the work that we do, sometimes the answer is that there is no answer. And yeah. you have to be okay with that. And it's hard, but it's necessary. And the sooner that you can learn that and the sooner you can start to do that, uh, the, the better the better you're going to be and the, the better just expectations for yourself that you're going to have. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And what I'll say too is, Tiffany, your presentation really, I'm so glad that your presentation was, uh, honestly, I, I don't remember what it's called. It's the opposite of a breakout session. It's the uh, general session. Thank you. <laughs> you help keep me responsible. See, this is just an example. I'm just helping give an example of an I don't know scenario. I really was just helping helping paint the picture for, for the audience. But anyways, uh, so Tiffany gave a general session, which was such a good topic to discuss from a clinical level about transplant at the beginning of the conference because it to me it set the stage for the how the entire atmosphere of the conference was going to go and you painted it beautifully and I'm not just saying that I am being completely honest um it it truly was wonderful and if you are comfortable enough to share what your presentation was about ah well thank you for that setup uh no, it, it was, you know, I think that was the, the thing that I had the hardest time with is that, so I was the first presentation after the first keynote speaker. And I knew that that was kind of a, this is, this may have set a tone, you know, like this is the first time back after two years in person and the very first member presentation. And so I'm glad to hear that it was taken the way that I intended to. Um, but man, was I sweating bullets. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. And I seriously, unintentionally, y'all, I, I think I looked like 
the mom, the those quintessential moms at the soccer games. Because I like, I was so stoked for Tiffany. <laughs> I got front and center. I got like, I mean, my like country woohoo came out. And, uh, I was like hooting and hollering and everything in between. Uh, but I was so excited. So yeah. I know you were sweating bullets, but I was just giddy with excitement for you. Well, I appreciate that. And I, um, hopefully, I didn't look like I was sweating bullets. Luckily, I had a jacket on, so you couldn't see the sweat, but uh, have that out-of-body experience. But, so, Mm -hmm. I I really, I mean, I I did like how it went, and I liked the um, discussion afterwards, but the the title of my presentation was Transplant Saves Lives, But Does It Give Life? And so, it was a discussion on the impact of transplanting high-risk psychosocial patients, and what the risks of high-risk psychosocial means and kind of uh, forcing us to talk about the thing that we all kind of think about, or at least I had hoped that we all thought about and, and come to find out a lot of the responses were, you know, I think about this all the time or I am wondering if, if other people ever run into these situations. But so that I was glad to hear that that was received how I intended to, but the fact is is that transplant oftentimes with a lot of the organs are, is life and death. And life and death is a big uh, topic. I mean, that's a big thing, saving somebody's life. We have to save their life. But thinking about what does that word mean? And I think that's why it was so important for me to title it the way that I did um, saving life versus giving life, because some people may say, well, isn't that saying the same thing? But it, it wasn't. Um, very different, because people mm-hmm. and their families have to live after transplant. You know, mm-hmm. medical teams will put in the organ and be excited that it's working, um, mm-hmm. but what does that do to the whole family, network, person? And the psychosocial factors are such an important piece of it and when we know that there are psychosocial risks but we proceed anyways and um, what does that look like and who does that fall on and what is the implications to the patient and family right exactly it's that quantity of life versus quality of life but in a different perspective I know we Mm -hmm. hear that phrase often when we refer to palliative care but this is looking at it from a different lens Mm -hmm. and it was in fact um so we we ran into another uh colleague another social worker that we had um well actually she wasn't a social worker she was a uh a substance abuse professional um and she started talking about this amazing presentation at the beginning of the conference about the fact you know we transplant gives uh saves lives but does it give life and uh, you know she just learned so much from the presentation and she was talking to us about it and she had absolutely no idea (laughs) that tiffany who was standing right in front of her was the one who gave the presentation but i appreciated how what you said about that um i don't know if you remember what you said um what you said was was that because uh, I said I don't think she know, realized that you were the one that gave that presentation and you said no I don't I really don't think she did but 
that to me that means that it stuck with her because she remembered the content mm-hmm. and that two days later after everything else that she has heard she's still thinking about it yeah and it means i did a good job and i was like wow <laughs> that was awesome that was awesome yeah. so yeah great presentation um and i mean I agree. You know, just being around like-minded people was really nice. Mm-hmm. Well, and we kind of just got into conversation as we often do, but what uh, mm-hmm. what was your your favorite part of the conference? Uh, if you had to pick one. See? It's so funny. I love to dish that one out, but I hate being on the receiving end of this question. That's why you ask it first. I see. I see your game. I know. I do it every single time. And and, and the people who are, are very familiar with me know that's that's what I'm doing. Um, so I, I would say my favorite part of the conference was... So... Um, we we talked a lot about the podcast at the conference. We got a lot of good feedback, which really recharged my batteries. It got me uh, even more excited about our future with this podcast and where we're headed with it. Um, I hustled the hell out of our podcast and talked to everybody. <laughs> you should be a guest speaker. You should be a guest speaker. You should be a guest speaker. And I'm pretty sure all 250 people that were there was sick of me telling them that they were going to be a guest speaker. Um, but it... <laughs> I'm having a very hard time singling out what my favorite part of the conference was because I'm sorry can I I need to interject real quick um can I tell you what my favorite part of the conference was for you oh gosh okay (laughs) (laughs) because I know you're probably not going to say it so this will give you a little bit of time to think too but my favorite part of the conference for for Kristen which should be one of her top parts of the conference uh and this it definitely is but i'm not brave enough to say it (laughs) this is where i was proud uh soccer mom at at this moment and took like so many pictures as it was happening and (laughs) i was the the only thing that i didn't do and it took everything in me to stay in my seat and not run up to right in front of the stage to take more pictures um (laughs) so our very own Kristen here co-host of Beats by Social Work, very own Kristen of certified transplant clinical social worker and certified mechanical circulatory support social worker, won the Lee Suzuki Reward, which is one of the highest awards that you can win and be honored with within uh, the Society for Transplant Social Workers. And Kristen won that award this year and absolutely deserved the heck out of it. And I was so glad to see that she won it, but that was my favorite moment was to see her and watching as as it was unfolding and looking over and seeing her as she was starting to put it together that, oh, they were talking about her up there, all those really cool <laughs> things and all those really amazing things that she's done. Oh wait, that's me. Um, it was just so cool to see her and not even for her to not even realize that it was happening or that it would be her, uh, which 
I, she should have known because she is phenomenal, but it was just a really cool <laughs> moment, and I'm very proud of her, and that is my favorite moment for her uh, of this conference. Thanks, Tiffany. I really appreciate it. And that, yes, it's that was absolutely my favorite moment as well. Um, it was super amazing winning this award and getting that recognition. No, I did not expect it at all. It was like, I heard Kristen, but listen, there are so, I mean, I think Kristen was the top name for girls, like <laughs> a majority of the eighties. Like it could be anybody. There were so many Kristens. And then when they, you know, everything, I was like, wait, wait, that's a project I worked on. Wait, that sounds familiar. I've worked in transplant that long. Oh my God. They're talking about me. Oh my God. What? Like I, uh, and then, and then I get up, I'm on, I'm, I'm walking up to the stage and I get the award and the whole time it, I, like you said, out, it was an out of body experience. It was just like, wow, I'm really, I'm really excited for this person. <laughs> you know, I see their feet walking up to the stage. I see them shaking hands with this person. I see them reaching out to get, that's very nice for them. And <laughs> it was just like so wild. And, uh, but it, it really, um, and I really did my best to, because of course, uh, the the individuals that were on stage were like you need to say a few words in the you know say do you want to say anything and I'm like oh dang okay but I did my best to to give credit where credit is due in that uh, I am a part of a very big wheel and I am just one cog in that wheel and I am so thankful that we are all working together towards the same goal and to be around so many passionate people and to be a part of that stewardship is it's not just me it is not just me i am one fish in the pond and there's a quote that i have on my email signature and if i had been a responsible adult and committed it to memory <laughs> then i would have remembered it but I'm going to share it with you now and it is I alone cannot change the world but I can cast a stone across the water and create many ripples from Mother Teresa mm. and I love that too because it's it isn't just me or just you it is and that was part of the presentation that I gave was do you you don't like this the content of this presentation right it sucks it sucks that our patients have to go through this entire convoluted process to get help and get support. You don't like it? Let's band together and change it. Mm -hmm. There's 178 adult VAD programs out there in the country. And what happens if all 178 social workers get together and say, we're pissed off about this? Yeah. Then I think someone might listen. But if it's just me or just you, then... Who's going to say that they agree and that it really is a problem? Let's make noise. So Advocacy. I hope that I conveyed that. Advocacy. That... As I, yeah, as I digress, I <laughs> got a little long-winded there, but you're right. Advocacy is a big part of what social workers do. 
Social work came about because someone was sick of the way things were and decided to change it. Mm -hmm. And a whole profession was formed around that philosophy. Yeah. And, I mean, we are definitely still on, uh, as I like to call it, a crusade to bring awareness to our profession and to continue to show up at the table and, as I like to say, uh, not just sit in the seat, but scooch the seat in. And, yes. you know, it's, it is. We are part of a bigger thing than ourselves, but the thing is, is that we are part of it. We are cogs. You know, we're not just yeah. parts on the side. We are in it and, and part of it that makes it work. Right. And what I'll add to that is you can look at it two different ways, right? You can say, I'm just a cog in the machine. I'm just a cog in the machine. I don't matter. The machine will turn without me. Or you can say the only reason the machine works well or could even work better is if my cog is the way it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I, the, the cog in this wheel, am broken or dysfunctional or I am having problems, the machine itself isn't going to work the way it should. That is so, I love it. I uh, Because here's the thing, and, and one of the thing, things, let me see how many times I can say the word thing. Um, within <laughs> our profession, Social workers, so I, I look at it as if we are doing our jobs right, people don't always know what our job is. Yes. And so yes. I loved when you said that we are cog, that if it wasn't there, the machine wouldn't work. Because the thing is, is that you don't always see all the parts of the machine. You don't always see all the parts, but there's a reason that that part is there. There's a reason that someone said this has to go in to make it work and it may not be the most important piece it may not be the most visible piece but without that piece it doesn't go and that's the thing with social work if we are doing our job right fortunately or unfortunately however you want to look at it people don't know how hard we worked or what we did within our job because that means we did our job right things went Mm -hmm. the way that they were supposed to the patients are are in a good place the patients were prepared. The patients had plans. I mean, all of those things, if you're not having issues, we did something right. Mm -hmm. I'll even uh, take it a step further. Something that I, I share with students often is, you know the sign of a good social worker when things fall into place and you have no idea how they got there. Yes, uh, much more eloquently said. I love it, and I'm stealing it now, but <laughs> yes. No, it's totally okay. Like, I, I, I swear, I did not have the cog in the machine metaphor until literally just now, but it, it that that is exactly the example of why having the dialogue with uh, people of our profession and listening to podcasts like this is so important because being around like-minded people only makes you better. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's called the practice of social work, just like it's called the practice of medicine. We're always learning. We're always growing. And the only way that you can improve is if you stay curious. Yes. Yes. And stay willing and wanting to move it forward. I think that's an important thing too. Don't be stagnant. Super easy to do. 
and it's hard because you say, well, you're 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 practicing self care, and you say that we should have balance, but then you say we should be innovative. And how do we do all of that? But there is a way, guys. There truly is. You can. It it's just a matter of where your desires lie. I'd say. Yeah, exactly. And and also where your desires lie, but that can be very challenging too, especially if you have a team. We work in a team that doesn't have buy-in in the value of social work. Mm-hmm. If you believe how that you're valuable and you believe that you are a big part of the team and there is a reason that you are a fundamental cog that keeps the wheel turning, but your team doesn't see you that way, it can be very, very draining. And... Although we don't have answers for that particular scenario and that that problem today, just know that we see you and we feel you in that and that you aren't alone in that. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason why uh, being around others, coming to these conferences, chatting online with other social workers can refuel that because even if your immediate team doesn't see it, they may later, but we see you. Yes. And we hear you. And this place, this podcast, will always be a safe space for you. Mm-hmm. That's part of why exactly. it's so important for us to do it. And that's why we are so excited about it as well. Is We also know that not everybody has the opportunity to go to conferences or to, to even be told about webinars or educational pieces that are out there. And so this is, a, this is your place. This is a place for you. Yes. And with that being said, um, on a more serious note, I just popped off one of my fingernails. So my, <laughs> my self-care manicure just died, but, uh, <laughs> really sad. I, does anyone out there have any super glue that I might be able to fix this with? I, I do. I, I have some in my junk drawer, actually. See, uh, just another reason why I'm so thankful that that I have made it to the F word. <laughs> oh my god! But the other thing that was so fun was to be able to uh, <laughs> was to be able to interview a lot of people. So we did get some interviews, you guys, and so. One thing that you can start looking forward to starting with this episode is we are going to stitch in just a few interviews from board members that we were able to steal away from the conference for just a minute or two and just ask them a few questions. Um, And we hope to keep the interviews going. We're really excited to start lining them up for you guys. And I'm really excited to see where this goes for us. Yeah, I agree. And I'd like to put that as a plug, too, that if there's things that you guys want to discuss more, learn more, uh, hear more, let us know. You know, we're kind of just doing this. We're doing the dang thing. Uh, <laughs> but, and, and we're liking it, but we want to make sure that it's feeding you, too. So if there are things that you have heard us talk about or would like to hear us talk about or would like to talk about in general um, with us, let us know. Awesome. Thanks, Tiffany. And I'm so excited for next year's conference. It will be at the beautiful San Diego. 
So please check out STSW's website for additional information. We want to see this conference grow and grow and grow and grow. And we want to meet more people. So Mm -hmm. stay tuned for the upcoming interview from the first interview that we will share from this year's conference. Yes. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Until next time. Hi there. So thanks for being our first interviewee. Uh, Can you tell us your name? Yeah, my name's Sarah. Awesome. Sarah, so what organ group do you work in? You know, I work over multiple organ groups. So I do um, kidney and liver, and then I also do living donor for both kidney and liver. Wow. So I have a question for you. This might be controversial. Which one's your favorite? Oh, that's such a tough one. The populations (laughs) are so different. They are. You know, I love... Not to, not to say that like kidneys aren't hard and but like I feel like the livers you get a little bit more of the messy mm-hmm. ones and so it, it definitely challenges you and I, I do like the challenge and so but kidneys like you meet everywhere you meet so many nice people actually <laughs> everywhere yeah and so yeah that's a fair answer I like it cool and so uh, why do you do what you do. Um, you know, to be honest, my favorite part of my job is really the after part when you get to see what comes out of this. You know, for example, I did have this patient who was in kidney, you know, I won't disclose any personal information, but he was chronically suicidal. And I was like, you know, you really need to have some therapy before we can put you through this major surgery. And he had limited supports. And so he went to therapy for like three years and I seen him and he was just he was glowing like his skin and every like he was just glowing wow. and he's like wow I am so glad you made me do that mm-hmm. you know and and just those those times and then he was able to a little bit later on he was able to meet the family of who donated wow. to him and you know and just seeing those real life connections and and all of this it makes it so worthwhile that's awesome and you are also involved in STSW correct yes okay so yeah. what's your involvement with STSW yeah so I am um, a board member I'm the chair over the kidney and pancreas committee okay wonderful how do you like doing that it's so much fun uh, you know I love getting the macro part of social yes, work yes. and really getting involved and helping with change and like you said you know macro social work is a big part of it too and mm-hmm. so Great job. And advocacy. I want to put that out there, too. That's yeah. how we make changes. Right. right? And yeah. you are doing it. And yeah. that's just incredible. I well, applaud you so much for that. Thank you. Well, and especially with the advocacy part of it, I'm just going to, like, plug one of my friends that I went to social work school with, you know, and, and she's very much into advocacy and change and, and trying to do more things. And she's a part of the NASW right now. Um, but she, you know, one of the things that she used to always say is, you know, if we're not trying to change these systems, we're only profiting off of the hardships of other people. And like yeah. 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 Very, very <laughs> it's well so spoken. true. Yeah. Yeah. And so last question, what do you see as the future for social work or what would you like to see the future of social work and transplant you know I would really love to see social work become more of a voice in research 
that comes yes. up <laughs> and helping shape public policy even more and being more involved with those um, overseeing entities, the MS or UNOS or... Yeah, awesome. And then last bonus question, is there anything that you feel we should have asked or that you would like our audience to know? Um, you know, I just kind of really want to give another plug to STSW. They're a great resource, even with all the people that aren't in maybe your particular um, organ group. They are a wealth of knowledge. So it's awesome if you could join and, you know, actively participate. And then each of the different chairs, like, for example, with the kidney and liver, we meet every other month um, and do a conference call with people all across the United States to help us help ourselves. That's awesome. Thank you. And thank you to you, Sarah, for being our first interviewee. (laughs) We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I'm honored. We look forward to the future of social work and the future of you. All right. Thanks. Yes. Thanks for listening. We're Kristen and Tiffany. Working in Transplant takes a team. We hear you. We see you. We're in this together, and together we are stronger. Be sure to check out our show notes for more information found in today's episode. Take a look at our website for additional resources and links that may have been mentioned. You can also find us on Instagram and or our website located in the show notes. Bye. Bye. Beats by Transplant Social Work hosts Kristen and Tiffany and affiliated guests and programs expressly disclaim responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of your reliance on the information contained in this podcast or in any media, and none of the persons and entities noted above endorse specifically any test, treatment, or procedure mentioned on the show. Always consult your own treatment team or your own institution or employer for guidance on your individual care and or practice and policies.